Hey, welcome to our Good Hope Church Resurrection Sunday digital service. So glad that you are here. We're going to be getting going here in a little bit, but uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about our website, goodhope.ag. If you want to find out more about Good Hope Church, you can go to the website. You can find out things about, you know, missions projects that we're part of. You can find out about you know, video devotions and podcasts and stuff that's going on at the church. You can do online giving through our website. So I just want to let you know about that. And then now I also want to take some time and pray because our our special Resurrection Sunday service is only about 45 minutes long. So we get a little extra time here and a little extra time at the end for us just to spend a little time together. And so I want to pray. I want to pray because this is a time when lots of people go to church. And uh, I I heard a term up here, uh, cheester, which is the Christmas and Easter only people. (laughs) And I'd never heard that before. And I thought, well, that's a weird phrase. You know, I mean, I know there's people that go to church on Easter and there's people that go to church on Christmas and they don't have much of a Christian expression between those times. And what I want to do is I want to pray that since this is a weekend where People go to church uh, a lot more than they otherwise would. I want to pray that God would actually move in people's hearts and make a real connection with them. Because it's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to have a connection with the living God. And so I want to believe God and pray, and if you would pray with me, that this Uh, this Resurrection Sunday all around the world would be a time when people have unexpected encounters with God, where people go to church and they're thinking they're just going to make grandma happy or they're going through the motions or they're doing what they're supposed to do and they just want to get it over with, but instead they're going to have an encounter with God. I want to believe for that because I think that can happen in any form of church that God can show up and do a mighty work in someone's heart. And so let's pray for that to happen, for this not to be just a regular Easter service going through the motions, but that people would have an encounter with God all around the world, all kinds of different churches, that that would happen. So pray with me. Let's let's believe God for that. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace and mercy. And Father, we pray that there would be unexpected encounters with you this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday, that people would go to church. And if they're just going through the motions, they're just trying to make somebody happy, that instead of just waiting it out, that you would meet them there. Lord, meet them by your power, by your spirit, and open their eyes, open their hearts to be able to see who you are, see past the church services and all that different stuff, the rigmarole and and meetings with family and getting dressed up and whatever they're doing. Lord, let them see past that into who you are and have that surprise encounter with you. Lord, let lives be changed. Let people know you and step into a new life of walking with you. So Lord, we ask that you would do that this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday. Lord, touch people's lives and may church services all around the world make room for your presence and your power and your glory to touch people's lives, to touch people's hearts, and to bring them into a new life with you. So Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, 2,000 years ago, something wonderful happened. The long-awaited Messiah 
came, the wait was over. The Savior, the Deliverer, the Healer, the Son of God had come. But it didn't exactly happen how everyone expected. Hey, welcome. So glad you are here. Today is the day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will be receiving Holy Communion during this service, during the third song. So I encourage you to gather some communion elements, some bread, some juice, so that you can receive communion on your own during the third song. So you are welcome to participate uh, with us in receiving Holy Communion. So today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it didn't start. The story did not begin with the resurrection. There was all this stuff leading up to it. Of course, from the creation of the world, this plan of redemption was God's plan. It was his plan from the start. We see prophecies about the Messiah, the one who was going to come. Then we see a child born to Mary, the child of promise, the child that would become the king and the Messiah, the savior. Then John John the Baptist prepares the way, brings people into a place of repentance, repentance for the forgiveness of sins that prepared the way for the Lord. Then Jesus taught and performed miracles and called disciples for about three years. And then on what we call Palm Sunday, a week prior to the resurrection Sunday, Jesus enters into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry on a donkey, the foal of a donkey, and they're laying down the palm branches and their coats, and Jesus enters in as the king. Then there's the Last Supper on Thursday where Jesus is talking with his disciples, and at the end of that night, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be tried. He will be convicted and crucified, scourged and crucified killed on Good Friday, the crucifixion. Then, of course, there is the resurrection. But you can't get to the resurrection unless you go through the cross. It was a long, difficult road to the empty tomb. So let's remember what Jesus did for us all on the cross. We're blessed here at Good Hope Church to have a fantastic team. And one of the Additions to our team in this past year has been Pastor Gabby. They are our youth pastors. And so I'm going to invite Pastor Gabby up now for the reading of Matthew chapter 27, verses 27 through 54. Matthew chapter 27, verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered a whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There, they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. 
Above his head, they placed a written charge against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priest, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with white vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Thank you, Pastor Gabby. You know, Jesus was willing to pay a heavy price. Why? Why would the Son of God come down from heaven, go through all this garbage, be mocked and flogged and crucified and killed? Why would he pay such a heavy price? Will you ever wonder if God really loves you? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the one question with another question. Why was Jesus willing to pay such a heavy price? Well, have you ever wondered if he really loves you? Because Jesus wasn't into suffering for suffering's sake. Jesus was into showing his love, paying the price, and setting people free. God loves you, and that's why Jesus was willing to pay the price. It's not random. He was doing that to help us, to be a blessing to us, to give us everlasting life. But Jesus did have to pay a heavy price. His life was difficult. A man of sorrows. And this life can be more than we can handle. You know, we can sometimes feel forced to carry too much. Like we just have too many things on our plate. We've got too many things bogging us down. Too many things we've been through that we can't get out of our minds. And so we're carrying too many things. And we can feel like we're missing something at the same time. Like there's too much going on, but I'm missing something more valuable than all this other stuff. I want to tell you, you got to lay something down in order to pick something else up. 
If you're carrying too many things, of course, you've got to set some things down before you can pick some other things up. Uh, I enjoy canoeing. I've enjoyed it since I was a kid. I love going to the Boundary Waters. And one of the things uh, that you want to be able to do when you're doing some wilderness canoe trips is you want to be able to carry all your stuff in one shot over the portage. You don't want to have to carry some stuff, go back and carry more stuff. So you got a half a mile to go. You want it to be a half a mile. You don't want it to be a mile and a half or you got a half a mile, a half a mile and a half a mile. So it, it's tremendously beneficial. So I learned how to carry lots of stuff. But I'll also take that into uh, uh, into my bringing home of groceries from the grocery store. You know, <laughs> And you ever get to the place where you got too much stuff, but you want to get a little bit more. You know, you got to get that last bag and uh, we can literally carry too much. And what happens? Well, it can hurt. You know, you got, uh, you're carrying a bag with your little finger and it's digging into your finger or it can all fall apart. It, you know, you try to get that one last thing, you lose your balance, that goes, this goes, and all of a sudden everything falls apart. Literally carrying too much. But, you know, figuratively, we can live our lives like that where we're carrying too much and uh, we're weary and burdened. You know, there's all these things that we carry that don't, we, sh we shouldn't be carrying. They don't belong to us. Like trying to prove ourselves to other people, trying to make other people happy, trying to make sure that everybody thinks everything we're doing is just right. You know, uh, we can be carrying our hurts and our wounds and our fears from the past instead of uh, healing and moving on from that. We can be blown around, you know, carrying a weight of sin where we can't get free from these different habits and these things that just have a, a grip on us. And, and we're carrying that in our lives, into our relationships. And sometimes we're just carrying the wrong things. And it's time to lay down those things and pick up something better. To lay down all that stuff and pick up something more valuable. Jesus laid down his life. He could have been the king of the Jews. He could have fought the Romans with 12 legions of angels. He could have won. He would have been adored. He would have been comfortable. And he would have failed his father in heaven. He would have failed his purpose. And he would have failed you and me. But Jesus laid that life down. He allowed his body to be broken for our healing and his blood to be shed for our forgiveness. This is what we remember in Holy Communion as Christ commanded his disciples at the Last Supper. They had gathered together for one more meal together before Jesus would be arrested. And then he would be tried, crucified. He would be killed and put in the tomb. Jesus called his disciples together. He broke bread and said, this is my body broken for you. And then he brought out the wine and he said, this is my blood shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. Jesus had authority to lay his life down and he had authority to pick it back up again. Jesus laid down being this world's king of the Jews and he picked up being the savior of the world. Jesus has something for you to pick up as well. But first, you have to lay something down. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 6, just one verse. 
Romans 6 verse 5 is very profound. You can read the context on both sides, but it simply says this, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So if we are united with Christ in his death, we will be united with Christ in his resurrection. Christ laid down his life on the cross and you've got something to lay down too. Lay down your life to be crucified with Christ. Give this life to Jesus. This includes our whole lives, our pride and our ambitions. We lay at the feet of Jesus. Our wounds and our hurts and our fears, our anxieties, we lay at the feet of Jesus. Our failures and regrets, our sins and the wrongs we've committed, we lay at the feet of Jesus to be crucified with Christ. There's something else for us to pick up, but first things first, you got to lay something down to pick something else up. Hallelujah. Now, Pastor Gabby is going to come and read a selection from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 23. John, chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fears of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Thank you, Pastor Gabby. All right. We finally got to the resurrection. Jesus has conquered death once for all. Jesus laid down his life, but he took it up again, never to die again. He conquered death. Death no longer has mastery over him. And the good news is that we who have laid our lives down with Christ get to take up new life in Christ as well. Remember Romans 6, 5 that we read earlier, that if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with Christ in a resurrection like his. Perhaps you've heard this before. Perhaps you've heard about Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. Perhaps you know what that's about. The title might have given it away, but I hope that you have grasped the fullness of what Christ has done for you and for this world. Even the contemporaries of Jesus, Mary from John chapter 20, it took her a while to figure out what was going on. Jesus revealed himself to her. She finally, like teacher, she finally realized it was him. She went and told the disciples they weren't really sure what was going on. You know, uh, John and Peter come running in and they look into the empty tomb. And then verse nine of chapter 20, you know, they still didn't realize from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Like they didn't get it. This stuff can be difficult to grasp. And if they didn't fully understand, I'm sure we might be missing some stuff too. Amen. I might be missing some stuff. You might be missing some stuff. So I want to give you my top three things to remember if you're someone who has united yourself with Christ in his death and now are united with him in a resurrection like his. So here's my top three things. Number one, you are forgiven and free. You are forgiven and free. Your past does not define you. Your failures do not define you. You are set free. You are forgiven. You no longer have to identify with your failures, your all that, all that garbage. You can have a new life. You can change. You are forgiven and free. Some people say, but I don't feel forgiven. And, uh, I have a tongue in cheek. It, it sounds a little bit harsh. I'm not meaning to be harsh. This is kind of a nice, uh, you know, spiritual hug. Uh, I want you to understand something though. If you're having trouble forgiving yourself, if you're having trouble receiving the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, receive this in love. Here we go. Who do you think you are? You think you can override the plan of God, of redemption of all mankind, that your sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, the son of God, the divine sacrifice for the whole world. You're more powerful than that. Like you're not. Understand 
If you have been crucified with Christ, if you've asked for forgiveness, you've laid your life at the feet of Jesus Christ, you're forgiven and free. Receive it. Believe in it. Grab hold of it. Your sin is no match for the blood of Christ. Believe. Now, of course, um, if you're just listening to me talk and you haven't been crucified with Christ, you haven't repented of your sins and laid your, your life at the feet of Jesus, if you haven't been united with him in a death like his, then you got to deal with that. Just showing up for a religious service or watching something on TV or on YouTube is not sufficient. You have to actually make that connection with the living God set your life before him, let your sins be forgiven and grab hold of new life. You've got to do that. So if you haven't done that, just listening to me talk and say you're forgiven and free is actually going to be more confusing than anything else. So go ahead and make sure that you've dealt with that. You've got to lay something down. You've got to lay your life down to pick up forgiven and free. Go ahead and do that. Now those old habits are going to they're going to die hard. You know, they've heard about the resurrection too, and they want to come back. So you've got to be crucified, you know, daily. You've got to continue to fight the fight and grab hold of new life. You've got to keep laying the old down. But point number one is you are forgiven and free. Point number two is that there is a home for you in heaven. Amen. That you have everlasting life. There is a home for you in heaven. It is going to be okay. Even if this life is just an absolute suffering disaster and is ends up being like the life Jesus led where, you know, there was some promise there. Things had gone well sometimes. And then all of a sudden it all turned and everybody ran from him and he is uh, mocked and crucified and killed. Even if it ends up like that, you have a home in heaven. I remember reading in the scriptures that Jesus goes ahead of his disciples and prepares a place for them. And I thought, well, Lord, if you're preparing a place for me, I'm going to put in my request. And so I, I did this. This was as an early believer. I thought, well, I, I'm going to let them know then what, what I want. So I prayed and I said, Lord, uh, you obviously, you know more than I. So do what needs doing. I'm not meaning to uh, take any authority here. I just wanted to put my request in front of you if it counts for anything. And I said, Lord, I, I want an orchard. I want a big orchard, you know, like lots and lots of acres. I don't know, maybe, however big, big orchard. And I want to have some horses and I want to have a cabin and I want to have a cart, you know, and I kind of, my picture is an old wooden cart and I want to be able to tend the orchard and pick the fruit and put it in the cart and drive it into town so people can have some good fruit to eat. Uh, that's what I want. And so, Lord, do, do what you think is best. And so I put in my request, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. <laughs> but I do know this, that heaven is a good place to be. That we, when we have laid our lives down at the feet of Jesus, we pick up the knowledge of eternal life, that we have a home in heaven, that even if this life does not turn out all that great, that we have 
everlasting life in the paradise of God where no one lies, where no one steals, where no one makes fun of anybody, no one exploits anybody. There is no sickness, there is no pain, and there is no death. We have everlasting life there. So, hey, let's focus on that and be thankful and excited about it. There is a home for you in heaven. Everlasting life is yours in Christ. Hallelujah. So we celebrate that. If we are crucified with Christ, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And then point number three, eternal life starts today. So you are forgiven and free. There is a home for you in heaven and eternal life starts today. You are a child of God today. You serve the Lord now. You serve the Lord today. This isn't something that you look forward to in the future. Our heavenly home is something we look forward to in the future. But being a child of God, living for Christ, grabbing hold of eternal life is something we do today. I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan, like high school, college wrestling. Uh, I grew up as a wrestler. I've helped coach here in Cloquet for a few years, not doing it right now, but maybe I'll get back to it if I can figure out how to get some more time. Uh, and uh, I love wrestling. And I was reading a newspaper article about a, a champion wrestler, state champion wrestler from down the southern part of the state. And uh, he had always not met expectations. You know, like his sophomore year, he's supposed to be, you know, like a, a state champion and he didn't make it. His junior year, he didn't make it. And uh, so he finally wins. And there's an article interviewing him. And they said, hey, what made the difference? You know, what made the difference between you losing and you winning? And he said, he said, well, you know, I always wanted to win. I wanted to be a champion, I was hoping someday I would win. And he said, I changed my mindset into living like a champion today, believing I'm a champion now. How does a champion train? How does a champion think? How does a champion eat? You know, what does a champion do? And so he settled into the identity of being a champion and living as a champion now. And then what happened? He won. He got to be a champion, but it showed itself after he started living like a champion first. We are called to live for Jesus now. We are to grab hold of eternal life. Eternal life starts today. We are to fight the good fight. We are to serve. We are to make a difference for Jesus Christ. We are to be lights shining in the darkness, not part of the darkness. We are here to make a difference. So we want to uh, engage in the spiritual battle. We've got giants to fight. Uh, we need to fight those, you know, figuratively speaking, fight the giants to take hold of our promised land, the plan God has for us in our lives. A big part of that plan is going to be helping other people find Jesus, find their promised land. You know, Jesus didn't come here to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is our new identity in Christ, not to be served, not to be consumers of everything, but to serve others, to sacrifice for others. Your life now has eternal purpose. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 
So what does the resurrected Christ mean to you and me? It means you're forgiven and free when you put your faith in him and you're united with him in his death. You are forgiven and set free. You've laid that thing down. Now you're able to pick something else up. And that means that you have a home in heaven, that there is everlasting life in the paradise of God waiting for you in heaven and that eternal life starts today, you are able to live as a child of God now, a representative of Christ now. This is what we have. So let's conclude our service today by celebrating our risen Lord. Christ the Lord is risen today.